All right, Chaz, welcome back. It is The Grit for April 27th, 2023. Big news in surfing all over the place, David Lee Scales. It's been a huge week. Oh, speaking of, uh, are they supposed to run today? Do you know, forecast-wise? Forecast-wise, I think today is the day. Okay, I thought it was tomorrow was more favorable winds. What time is it? What time are we looking at here? It's It would start two hours from now. It's 2.15 for okay. us. Got in the it. afternoon, and it would be 4.15 is the normal start time. Great. So we got time um, to chat. Yeah, we got time to chat. And then, yeah, I don't know if they've updated the forecast in the last couple of days, so maybe tomorrow's the better day. I don't know. But um, I just, in other news, I just whitened my teeth. I see we... that. I <laughs> totally see They're like blazingly white. I, they, thought, I thought it was a filter. No. Well... It could be just the lighting in this room right I mean, now. It's We're doing crazy. an afternoon show instead of a morning show. Uh, did you did you go to the dentist to get them whitened? No, just the I just tray. Got, this is literally a follow up from two weeks ago. I got the white strips, and I'm committing to the lifestyle. You said you can't find the 30 minute window, which I could not previously either. I figured out the 30 minute window is when I'm prepping this show right before oh, we start recording. Dang it! Okay, I'm gonna I'm going to just wear them on the show. It really makes you talk funny. It really does. That the taste too is unpleasant. It is. It will. So the part of finding the thirty minute window is when you don't have to communicate with anybody or yep. see anybody. And um, I realized I'm like, man, when I'm prepping the show is my downtime when nobody's expecting anything of me, and it takes me longer than thirty minutes to do, but I can squeeze it in there. You also, I think, if I recall, have to do it in a time when you are not going to drink either coffee or wine afterwards, right? Correct. Or, and not eat 30 minutes afterwards yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. So, so which slim. again, again, perfect for the show. I think if I'm going to drink my AG1 on air, that would be a problem because that is so green. Yeah. You'd get, you'd have full on green teeth. And go from having yellow teeth to green teeth. Which is better, I wonder. Um, yellow just looks like you're not taking care of, actually, yeah. If you don't take care of yellow long enough, it becomes green, I yeah. think. Yeah. I think green, but, but green is so rare. So you see people with yellow teeth in public and you think, oh, yuck. Uh, if you saw somebody with green teeth, you might think, wow. They're the healthiest person in the world. They're yep. only eating kale and broccoli. The wow factor on green teeth. Did you know? Get a load of this. Okay. I've heard some recent goss about just the vegetable diet. And I can't wait for our readers to chime in on this one. Because this is Dr. Charlie in the office right here. You ready? <laughs> We need a segment. <laughs> uh, so I hears, this is what I hears, David Lee Scale. I hears that eating a bunch of veggies is in fact not good for you. And do you want to know oh, why? Gosh. Do you no, want to know why? 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 Because so veggies are sitting there sucking up the toxins, the environmental toxins, sucking them out of the soil, sucking them out of the air. Guess what veggies don't have, David Lee Scales? I have no idea. Livers. And so animals... They eat all this stuff, whatever, toxins and whatnot. Then their livers process that out, process the poison out, and boom, clean. They are clean. So eating meat is a cleaner alternative than eating vegetables is what I hear. Holy cow. Does it make sense so though? It Well, yeah, it does. Uh, is it okay in moderation? Yeah, for sure. Like you're supposed to eat okay. some vegetables, but the people who go like, I'm being healthy now, I'm cutting meat, I'm going all veg diet. Those people essentially are just overloading their body with toxins. Well, then would an alternative be to eat 
less toxic vegetables, like find an organic farm somewhere away from a highway and all that sort of stuff. hundred percent. That's like, if, if you have access to, I would imagine, uh, veggies grown in some super, super remote place that has not had, you know, farms and pesticides and whatnot on the soil. And I'm sure that is a okay. But I think that is fairly rare. There's a piece of, uh, fine piece of filmmaking, high art, some might call it, from the early 2000s called Biodome, mm. starring one Pauly Shore. Love Biodome. Is, is, uh, is Dave Chappelle's not in there. No, that was, no. that was, it was one of the movie. Baldwin, one of the Baldwin brothers. That was, was in Steven. It. it was Steven. Steven Baldwin. Simultaneously the best looking and the goofiest looking Baldwin brother at the same exact time. Did I tell you about my Stephen Baldwin? I for sure talked about it on air. My time with Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> I forget so much of what we talk about on air. So I always say, no, I've never heard that story. And then you start and I go, oh yeah, I remember that story. And I mean, let me just, let me jog your memory here. It was at uh, when Bethany Hamilton was invited to say the prayer at the congressional or whatever prayer breakfast. Presidential. Okay. Do you remember this? I do remember that, but I don't remember Baldwin. Oh, the story? Yeah. So, so Bethany is invited. Cersei Wallace was representing Bethany Hamilton at the time. Bethany Hamilton was invited to say the prayer or whatever, or be involved at the prayer breakfast. And so, you know, we're in Washington, D.C. Uh, of course, it's a hot ticket event. So uh, I didn't have the ticket to the whatever, the event, but we could hang out in the luncheon area, what like the dining area. I think it was at the... I'm pretty sure it was at the Watergate Hotel even. So I was in like the eating part of the Watergate Hotel and just hanging out. And then up comes Stephen Baldwin and just jibber jabbering, like making small talk. And so he and I had small talk for a long time. And I, I didn't know if he like why he was he was even talking about surfing and stuff like that. And so uh, I don't know if I was wearing something surfy or if I can't remember how it started. But anyway... Uh, then I was like, oh, he was asked why I was there. And I said, oh, wife's representing Bethany Hamilton. Oh, who's your wife? Told him, oh, Cersei, I used to watch her snowboarding films. Is she, is she here? Uh, so he, I think the thing must've ended at that point. So I took him over. And so then, yeah, me and Cersei and Steven jibber jabbered for a while more and then off he shuffled. But he is a strange man. He is as bizarre in person as he appears on camera. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Very um, extremely religious. Which, would you have guessed that? No, what religion? I mean, Christian, but like, oh. like real, like fringe Christian. Wow. No, yeah. I would not have guessed that either. Yeah. I haven't seen him work in any film in a long time either. He doesn't need to. He's got a... a Biodome money? He's got <laughs> Biodome money and uh, Bieber money now. Beamer money? Bieber. Justin Bieber. Bieber. Isn't, isn't Haley, I think Haley is his daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. So does that the way that works? Is your daughter marries somebody rich and you get the money? It just trickles up to you? I mean, I think exactly. I think for many, many, many centuries, uh, families paid... Uh, dowries. Dowries, exactly. But I think in this woke time, in this new modern era we live in, it's reverse dowry. Is Perfect. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It always, it's always worked that way. The dude who was going to marry paid the dowry. That's, so yeah. That, that's right. That's, that's exactly how it worked. Man, yeah. I... I I've heard of uh, Justin Bieber's wife, Haley Baldwin, right? Her, yeah. Now, she, I've heard her name before. I just didn't realize she was one of the Baldwins. Yeah, yeah. Offspring. S Stevens, not even okay. just one. Stephen Baldwin's offspring. Wow. Wow. Yep. Okay. Man, that's the most I've ever talked about Stephen Baldwin in my life. 
It's pretty good. Stephen Baldwin, but I, do, though, but I, I will say he was like friendly guy, strange, chatty, a, a good hang. Yeah, cool. I appreciate it. I did love Biodome, and that would be the perfect place to grow those vegetables you're talking yep, about. Exactly. So, but it's super bizarre, by the way, that you brought this up about the vegetables because it so closely ties into one of our barrel or gnaws later in the show. I can't wait for it. Like unbelievably ties into it, and it's totally uh, happenstance. We did not plan it. But also, real quick, uh, you know what the closest place to Biodome, now that I'm thinking, on Earth is? No. This little place, little island called New Zealand. You oh, yeah. In, you know what they do in New Zealand? They make AG1, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what a professional you are, dude. I love it. Athleticgreens.com slash is where you can find everything you need to know about AG1. Um so we should talk about the Margaret River Pro, but I'm going to let a listener kick off this conversation, okay? Hey, guys. Got a call for the grit. Um, so I was listening to last Friday's podcast, hoping to hear some good Margaret River breakdown, only to hear that once again, you guys did not watch it. I understand it was just the opening round and elimination round, but to have an opinion, and as much as you guys talk shit, I think that you should at least watch the contest. So I'm coming to you and your listeners with some tips on how to enjoy the world tour. So first things first, skip the opening round and the elimination rounds. Not necessary unless it's absolutely pumping. Second, know when to pay attention. It's like football. People don't sit there and watch every second when they're reconvening on the field they know when to look up, know when to look down. You're not supposed to stare at the screen for 10 hours. Third, um, don't see spoilers. If it's an event on the other side of the world, not in your time zone, go on a media blackout. Makes it a lot more interesting. Also, develop strong opinions on surfers. Have the ones you hate, have the ones you love. But the most important is watch the Challenger series. Only when it's pumping and then the last two events, watch quarterfinals on. You're going to see who's qualifying, who's ripping, and it gets you used to the new names on tour. Um, in my opinion, the surface on tour, the best they've been in decades. We don't have the career three-to-the-beach guys that are not exciting to watch that just requalify because they make it to the second round. Um, it's way more exciting than it was. 10 years ago, in my opinion. So my challenge to you guys is watch the Challenger Series this year and then the first five events next year and then come back to us with a progress report on what they can improve. Thanks again. Keep up the work. What I love about that is uh, not only calling to complain, but providing some like, here's, here's, um, my suggestion for how to make it better or how to make you guys better, basically not just a complaint. It was wonderful. It was, I've never actually truly thought about watching the challenger series, to be honest, like it's hard enough to watch the dang WCT, uh, but WQS, or I guess not the WQS anymore, the challenger series. That's a great call. You, and like, you, cause you honestly don't have to watch any of it, except he's exactly right. The quarter's on anybody who's flailing in the challenger, you know, you don't ever need to know. You know, I've got a rebuttal to every point that he made, first of all. So along the lines of watching the Challenger series, 
I love it conceptually. He said he put the qualifier at the very beginning, only when it's pumping. Turns out it's never pumping. Yeah. So they run the Challenger series in crappy venues. And even if those crappy venues are pumping, it's not that great, you know? And so I agree those surfers are doing better surfing now than they've ever done before, but it's still not, um, it's not how I want to use my time. I, I, if it was pumping, if it was at great venues, I think you and I would, it'd be awesome if you and I just focused on the challenger series only. And yep. we did a whole season of only commenting on the challenger series other than the CT rather You're than right, the CT. But the waves suck. The waves suck. Except I am looking forward. I will say, and maybe that's was, uh, as he was talking, I was thinking, Oh, he's right. Snapper rocks. I used to love snapper, right? Like I know snapper is not the greatest wave in the world. I will, and maybe this is just, my own mental illness of nostalgia peeking out, but I thought the the tour kickoff at Snapper was perfect. Right, it was, you get yeah. a high performance high performance wave that can get super barely. Uh, it like was the I don't know the amuse bouche the uh, little warm up to the rest of the tour. Right, it got you in the mood. It got you ready to go. You weren't like straight in like these days. Jumping straight in the main course of pipe without any kind of appetizer is tough, right? The way the tour used to be structured, you got warmed up to it all. Agreed. And I I take it back. If Snapper's pumping, that's absolutely worth watching. That's the one event that is worth watching. Then you go to Bolito. Don't care. Bolito's, you know, it's okay. And if it gets really good, then it's interesting. Huntington Beach is next. Nope. It sucks. Sucks. No, it sucks at its best. Arasara can certainly get good. It rarely is for the comp. Uh, Sakurama, not good. Nope, and it used, we used to have Haleiwa, which would be worth watching. So there's only the Snapper event, to be perfectly honest, is the one worth watching. Man, what a bummer for those challengers. But I like the I like the part of his call about the media blackout. I think that's salient advice, uh, regardless of whether it's a surf contest or just a show that you like watching that could get spoiled. It's a lot easier with the show, though. It's really, for me, really, 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 really hard to care about non-live sport. Like, a game that I've been looking forward to, like, yesterday, Lakers played the the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, as a NBA playoffs, big game. Uh, I was having a dinner or something during the game. I can't remember what I was doing, but missed it. But didn't even think, didn't even consider, I'm going to go watch this game. The thought of sitting through a thing that's already happened. Yeah. uh, Can't do it. I can do it with the show, but not with a live sporting event. Totally. Um, I would like to point out to that listener though, it sounds like he's passionate about professional surfing and I like that. I would like to point out to him that I felt that exact same passion for a very, very long time from prior to being able to access the events online reliably through to the internet, you know, uh, broadband kicking in and being able to stream everything through the ASP up through the WSL days up until the last two years, I'd say. And I used to write and record podcast episodes dedicated to recapping these events. So like going through them with a fine tooth comb and I realized after a period of time, I'm putting more effort into these recaps than a lot of the WSL is putting into the event itself. And I continued to do it for a year after that. And then I realized, look, if I am trying to distinguish uh, between you know, two marginal scores in a beach break or trying to figure out a rule that has changed since the last event 
or whatever it happens and I can't figure it out, then what am, what am I doing? Like I'm spending way too much time trying to figure out this thing that they have not clearly defined or have not clearly committed to the rules on. And so they eroded my interest as a core fan. That's what's happening. And so if Chaz and I are, you know, um, end up talking about Eric Logan's missteps instead, it's because that's actually more interesting. Like as a human interest kind of thing, that's more interesting. The demise of the World Surf League, them eroding their core customers, them driving a business into the ground and making a mockery of it is kind of the more interesting storyline at this point. Way more interesting, I think, personally. I mean, and I know that many of our listeners disagree, right? I feel that we touch the high points of the tour when they matter, right? Like when... I don't know, like, I mean, we'll get to talking Margaret River here in a minute, but uh, there really only is, like, basically two storylines that that matter anymore. Like, the whatever they've done, it's, it, yeah, I mean, exactly what you say. The, the more interesting show is the slow motion sinking of an entire sports league. That is infinitely more interesting. In, in the annals of the history books... You know, John John's searing turns at Margaret will get mentioned. Idolo's drop of the box from three years ago that you've talked about, that will get mentioned. But very little from this event, very little of the surfing from this entire season, very little of the surfing from last season, you know, from the last three or four, since COVID basically, very little of any of that surfing will be in any of the highlights packages. No. It will be the demise is the main story. I mean, Philippe's winning multiple world titles at lower trestles after not paddling Chopu. Like, I mean, that'll be, that will be the main through line uh, on yes. the profe- or on the competitive side. Completely. It will be about him winning those events, uh, but not about the surfing that was done. It will yeah. be about the farce, you know, the farcical nature of running the world tour uh, final event at lowers, basically redundantly. Um, but, I don't have a ton to say with all that in mind. I don't have a ton to say about the surfing at Margaret's other than the big news story is uh, our premonition came to fruition this last week. Kelly Slater not only got cut from Margaret River, but they didn't even they threw zero retirement party. They didn't even fake as if he was actually cut. They just kind of were like, oh, bummer, you're off tour. Uh, What are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to go get barreled. They're like, "Okay, sweet. Next day, post an Instagram. Hey, guess what? Kelly's been gifted a wild, wild card, card, not only for Surf Ranch. Kelly's been gifted a wild card for the rest of the season. And the start of next season. Did you know really? that? Yeah, no, that's, how, that's, that how, that's how far the wild card extends. The wild card extends all the way to the mid-season cut next year. What in the world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like to, to make it, I mean, forever and... I do not care about the qualification system, right? Like, I show me a league, bring me a league, please, where, again, I've talked about this before, like the natural selection snowboarding thing, right? Where it is a invitational. The people, snowboarders, that people want to see are the yeah. ones on the mountain. They're not going through some, like, qualifying thing to get there, right? Like, it, they are plucked. The, these are the people. This is who you want to see. Like... So I don't care about the qualifying system, but the World Surf League apparently does because they have a giant rule book and a 
comprehensive and convoluted way to qualify for tour that then they just make an utter mockery of. I mean, again, the, the laughableness of them changing the rule to allow former world champions and or top five surfers to receive points from events is like, I mean, it just makes a mockery of any kind of fairness, of any kind of qualification, of any kind of, yeah, non-bias, anything. They changed the rule in March. It's not like they changed the rule at the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? So, but you're right. It's, I don't care about um, the qualification either. They created a cut. They created this cut line with the entire storyline around it is about the importance of this thing. It's about the importance of qualification, the importance of accruing points, stacking those, and then earning your spot. So to throw all of that out on a whim is undermining their original conceit. You know, and again, it doesn't offend me. And I would even make an argument: Kelly deserves, of course, carte blanche. You know, I mean, Kelly they, deserves. Just give him, but but we're but I'm trying to play by your rules. I'm trying to follow your storyline, and then you know, play by the rules and pay, pay attention and care. And you guys constantly kick me in the knees. You cut me, you cut me down, you know? I mean, it's so ridiculous. I mean, you're, you are exactly right. Having a midseason cut. And then they finally, you know, this is the second running of the midseason cut. And, uh, you finally have a, like last year, Owen getting cut, you know, it's not a great storyline. Let's be honest. Who really cares about Owen Wright at that point? And, you know, so, a so an aging, pro got booted off to her fine uh this year you actually had theoretical drama around it both with kolohe and kelly uh particularly kelly were but they knew that they were going to give them this wild card so they couldn't even drum up the story but maybe they just didn't care anymore because i mean we talked about it last week the whole cut line was i think to juice interest really for make or break i think essentially for the t apple tv show and now that apple tv show is gone and so you know, who are they? They're only kind of juicing it or making it more interesting to the people already watching. Cause I don't think there's a bunch of new eyeballs. Now with make or break gone, there's definitely no, I don't think new eyeballs coming in, right? Where are people going to discover pro surfing? Bailey ladder fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fans of Bailey ladders I mean, who then got introduced to the WSL through the partnership. I think they're going to be the big influx. I mean, my goodness gracious though. But yeah, the, but then just to, so to do something and then mock that thing that you're doing. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's absolutely and utterly mockable. The, um, we got a listener line call that I'm not going to play, but he was like, man, go watch the opening round of Margaret river, the men's side heat five. Eric Logan comes in and talks to Joe Turpel and Felicity Palmatier. Um, and the gobbledygook that comes out of that guy's mouth, he goes, I know you guys know because you talk about it every single week. But he's like, I was like aghast. I could not believe the the stories he was just trying to spin as good PR. You know, and the um, and so I listened to that call and I went back and watched that heat and actually pulled the clip. I was gonna start editing it to give you kind of a highlight reel of Eric's gobbledygook and it was so um it was so like you'd have to just let the full 30 minute thing play <laughs> because there was just too much of it you know it was literally every answer to every question that joe turpel teed up but one of them was you know our current number one on both the men and the women's side joe Chianca and molly picklum 
were cut last year. And he goes, this is a testament to the importance and the value of the cut is that these people went and reframed their mindset, tried harder, and now look at them go. And I'm thinking, that is the stupidest rationale. You are so lucky that those two world-class athletes survived your inane idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're such good surfers. I mean, Joao Chianca, the reason he lost last year was because he surfed against John John a couple of times. Yep. And he put up the second highest heat totals through those events. And John John happened to put up the highest heat total in those events. So Joao got the crap end of the stick, you know? But he's such a phenomenal surfer that he, that he went and out. did it on the CS. And he's right back on tour and now proving to you. But if you as a league cannot identify LeBron James when LeBron James is on the court, then you are the idiot in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? You totally do not understand surfing. And so, and not only to pat yourself on the back, but then to like say that, oh no, they went and reframed their mindset. Yeah. No, they did. That's not what that was. Don't put it on them. You know, I mean, I guess it's a compliment to that surfer too, in kind of a weird way. But they had everything last year too. I mean, you failed them. I mean, I, you know, the LeBron James metaphor is apt. Like to like kick LeBron back to the minor leagues because oops, LeBron, like LeBron playing like LeBron, and to kick him down. I mean, you're exactly right. That is what happened. Joao Chianka put together a monster surfing wise when he, the first half of the season was epic here. And the only way that he, he was undone by the best, arguably the best surfer in the world surfing as good as he could. And that's the only thing that took Chianka and he, out. And he lost by less than a point at yeah. pipeline <laughs> and pumping J Bay. You know what I mean? I mean, pumping pipeline and pumping J Bay. So mean, yeah, Eric, Eric Logan, I mean, Again, it's high comedy. Like it is totally the Jesse Miley Dyer and Eric Logan show is as good as it gets. I think it is must see TV. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Margaret River, I'm actually, despite all of that, if the swell delivers today, I'm excited about the quarterfinals. Oh, it's sure. good. This quarterfinals are cute that are queued up are very good. And, um, the guys that are still in the event and the girls are surfing phenomenally. Like John, John Florence's performance through this event, Ethan Ewing's performances, Felipe Toledo, by the way, I feel like he's better than I've given him credit for. I know he's won Margaret river in the past. Even then I didn't fully acknowledge that. I think personally, maybe that's when I kind of was not watching the tour as much as I used to, <laughs> but his he's powerful. You know what I mean? Like it's not, he's not just doing airs. He is unbelievably powerful. And he's, he's got a solid snappy rail game, like, which yeah. is, that's the, I mean, again, this is the problem with him being a coward is he has every tool in his box to succeed, uh, minus a heart, right? Like, it's not like he's a flippy air guy who, you know, I could see him not wanting to huck over the ledge because he, he wouldn't really know what to do. Are you kidding me? That kid rips like proper rail surfing as well as his air game. He is a entirely well-rounded surfer which yeah. again makes his cowardice that much more embarrassing well we used to see him doing that rail surfing at lowers let's say waves like but margaret's is an open ocean there's a lot of 
you know, uh, a lot of face and a lot of slopey face too. It's not just always standing up on the reef. And so to see him really develop the power game to get through those types of transitions on the wave, I think is a development in his surfing. Like he grew into that, you know? I mean, I guess, but I guess the, yeah, where, where his thing is, is still like powerful barreling lefts, which isn't, isn't necessarily a rail thing. No, I totally agree with what you're saying about that. And kind of a counterpoint to Felipe is Griffin Colapinto charges and has the heart. And I, I can't remember him getting like the best waves of any given session at Chopu or pipe, but I've seen him take off on the craziest ones and eat it in the yeah. most devastating fashion and then still be back out there doing it again. Yeah. And that's kind of what you want to see. You know? uh, so what I want to see uh, is we have, I like, what do you feel about while we're talking surfing? Uh, the rise again of Gabriel Medina and possibly a rekindling of the best, I would say, in the last at least five years. Best, uh, what best rivalry is Gabe and John? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I think it's a phenomenal rivalry that none, neither of them acknowledge quite yet. Um, but. But Gabe has three world titles now. John John has two. Mm-hmm. Uh, John John's got an Eddie under his belt. They're both the highest paid surfers in the world, um, or the first and the second highest paid surfers in the world for a period of time. So I think it has all the makings. Regular foot versus goofy foot, different nationalities is interesting. So I think it has all the makings, and their style of a, their approach is different too. Like John John's is so much more calm and casual. Gabriel's is almost frantic. So I would love to see that become a rivalry. Um, my money's on John all along the way, you know? Oh, John's going to get hurt, though, again. He's going to tweak a knee. He's going to tweak a knee at tiny El Salvador. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, I could see both of them losing interest, to be honest. Like, yeah. I could see John not being thrilled by the organization itself, the WSL and the decisions that they make. And he has so many other interests and opportunities in life. He really doesn't need the WSL at this point for a paycheck, for a validation for his career, for any of that. And I could see Gabriel Medina being um, uh, sidetracked for other reasons. Gabriel Medina living the life of a celebrity. He just can go do that. You know. I mean, the uh, funny thing, I think, possibly, maybe it's not that funny, but I think probably i would imagine many listeners to this show just think that we're running our mouths negative talk about the wsl and this that and the other thing uh i know for a fact from enough sources that these views here are reflected in the professional surfing the surfers on tour many 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 of them feel exactly the things that we say here they just there's nothing they can do they they can't bite the hand well yeah i What's worth saying is that um, we can't say so much of what we know. (laughs) So um, what we, I think we are kind of uh, sharing a certain level of intensity and ire that seems unjust if we can't give the actual facts that we have. We, but we can't give the actual facts that we have because there's really a legal liability, <laughs> I think. And there's also the other thing that's built into that is like the athletes and the employees or the former employees, by the way, who have given us this information don't want to put their name on the line. Yeah. And the athletes who are on tour, you know, I just mentioned Gabriel Medina and John John Florence can go make a living off tour. 
but most of them can't. Most of the athletes that are on tour cannot. And so they don't want to bite the only hand that can feed them. And so everybody's just quietly cringing and going along, but make no mistake, they all feel the same way. It's a, it's, it's a consensus at this point. Do you think that, uh, powers that be Eric Logan, Jesse Miley Dyer, et cetera, et cetera, are thankful that for the, for the small beating they get knowing that there's a lot more, or do you think they're so out to lunch that they think, well, we are the picture of perfection. Are you kidding? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there's enough of enough people patting their backs from outside of the surf world, you know, because you only care about this stuff if you're looking at it under a microscope. Yeah. But for people outside of the surf world who see Eric Logan's posts on Instagram and Jesse's posts about going to her leadership conference and even at those leadership conferences, they're just getting tons of adulation. Yeah. So they can kind of be, uh, you know, willfully delusional, but I think that the second thing is also true, which is they're grateful that they're not getting more, um, put on blast. Basically they're only getting put on blast here and a couple of other places because I think some of the bad behaviors and the missteps have been recorded (laughs) <laughs> they have been fully documented and they could be fully brought, brought to light uh, if there were proper journalists with proper journalist outlets that would, you know, if the Wall Street Journal came in and wrote, wrote an expose on some of this stuff, like it would uh, be, tr- you know, terrible for, the, for them, <laughs> for them and their jobs in the World Surf League as a whole. And so, but, you know, you and I don't have the legal cover cover to do something like that. And the people who kind of uh, have suffered at the hand don't have the desire to share that information. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's it's really is a unfortunate situation all around. But we'll keep dancing around. Dancing around. And then honestly, when the thing goes off the cliff, it'll be really interesting stories to tell after the fact. You know that's what I mean? True. Like, Like this will be like, it'll be the demise of... The, w, the WSL and competitive professional surfing will be something to um, a story for the children to marvel at. <laughs> um, we've got, do you remember, um, of course you remember, but Kook and Curran has become everybody's favorite segment. Yes. And we had Kook and Curran's four or five years ago that like we mentioned in passing, like, hey, this is a really interesting thing that happens in surfing. Here's one. But they came so infrequently. Well, CJ Hobgood called, and then I got two new calls this week. I think these things are coming out of the woodwork now. Let's go. We're identifying more and more of them as we go. And this one, in fact, comes from a shaper for Joao Chianca and uh, a lot of the top performers on surf, on the WSL, Britt Merrick. Boys, what's happening? Britt here. Um, I'm shaping boards, listening to the show, as I often do. And I just heard uh, C.K. Hobgood's Kook and Curran. Kook and Curran is the best thing ever. Having known Tom Curran my entire life, it's all true. All the ones that people are coming up with. So I've got one. I was watching the Margs contest recently, and I saw Kelly on the webcast running down for his heat, carrying his board, whack side against his body. 
whack side against his body. And I thought, the only other person that I see do that regularly is Tom Curran or Complete Coops. Who does that? Why would you ever do that? It makes no sense. It doesn't go with the flow of the board. It doesn't, the rail doesn't sit in your hand right. Why would you get waxed against your body? You know who else does it? Tom Carroll. Absolute legend. So that proves the point. Tom Curran, Tom Carroll, Kelly Slater. You've got to be a Curran or an absolute kook to carry your board the wrong way. As a board builder, I'm claiming it's the wrong way. You do it, you're a kook, or you better be Curran. Okay, boys. Talk to you. What do you say? Such truth. Such truth. I mean, I've always thought this my whole life of, uh, yeah, like it's just particularly, I mean, he bringing up the, bringing up the rail, not fitting in your hand. I never even really thought about that, but that is a hundred percent true, but just the wax, whether it's hot or cold, whether you, whether you're in a wetsuit or, you know, in your birthday suit, like it is not cool to have wax rubbing on your body, but I can totally see how. The, the the weird, because to be as good as Tom Curran, I mean, this is where all this comes from, right? Is you got screws, not loose necessarily, but you have different wiring up there, right? Genius like, wiring. Yeah, Currans are wired geniusly. Uh, kooks just don't know. So, but everybody in the middle with normal wiring, you do it the normal way. Yeah. Like, so this is, I mean, but again, to, I only see straight up kooks with i i've never seen an intermediate sur surfer carrying board wax item ever uh it it's funny that brit i saw brit's name um like i said i get a transcription of these via email so i saw the email come through and within the first sentence or two i'm like i know exactly what he's gonna say because i saw kelly slater running down to that heat and i had the exact <laughs> same thought when i saw it and i'm like it's perfect it yeah. is so perfect he yep. nailed it entirely and um there's one other person that fits i mean it makes the argument for brit but richie uh richie collins always used to carry his board this way too but it could be argued that richie collins is a kook <laughs> like, like, you can make the argument oh he's a prof professional surfer so that puts him in the current category but i'm like you know what i could just as easily argue that he's a kook he's definitely not an intermediate surfer we know that much. for sure he's either a kook or a current but you, you're exactly right he's not intermediate which is the to the that's really good stuff <laughs> but yeah nobody else and and again for any listeners who are listening right now going, I carry my board that way. Bad news for you. You are I a... doubt you're a current. Yeah. <laughs> I, I doubt you're a current and you think you're an intermediate, but there's nothing in life that people overassess more than their surfing ability. That is so true. Uh, real quick here. When, when we like have a couple more of these and are able to write the uh, Kook and Curran coffee table book, um, I wonder if you did all the things that Curran slash Kook does as an intermediate, what would happen to your surfing? Would you slide down into Kook or would you elevate to Curran? Where to me, at this point in my surfing life, I would take the risk. I would take the 50-50 of losing it all to, to gain it all. Yeah. I hate to tell you, this only shakes out one way. So... 
it shakes out. It's a down. It's a slippery slope downward. There's no way to climb the slippery slope. You either do it out of instinct, like it has to happen completely That's naturally, true. at which point you're not even aware of the conversation where you're just operating no. on a different level. Like there's, I think the thing that you were talking about where it's a genius mindset, there's such a fine line between genius and crazy person. In, yeah, insanity or yeah. also kookdom, you know what I yeah. mean? And so you, um, it's a slippery slope. You're going to tip, you're going to teeter over into that kookdom. Well, that's, and the, and the fact that you are decidedly that I am, I mean, yeah. Like the deciding on it is the kook move. That's the kook move. Like you, kook. it's, it's gotta be in your brains, in your weirdo brains. Yeah. Well, um, I am keeping a running list of all of these. So right. we will be able to put that book together. And we also got another one from a listener. Actually, Britt called back with a follow-up. Let me play that real quick. And by the way, I could hear Chaz's voice right now saying, but wait, does Kern really carry his board that way? Listen, I see Kern as much as anybody. And if he's not carrying a skimboard, he's carrying a surfboard with a wax against his body. <laughs> and it disturbs me. And when I saw Kelly doing it, it actually bothered me my whole life, and I'm so thankful to have this forum to get off my chest. I feel a lot better about it now. Got a context for it. Appreciate you guys. You're welcome. We're yep. here with you, Britt. We yep. all felt weird about it, too. Always weird, but now you know it is the mark of a kook or the mark of Tom Curran slash Tom Carroll slash Kelly Slater. I'm glad but, to hear that he saw Tom Carroll doing it, too, because... I mean, it just it's confirmation. Confirmation. Exactly. Uh, this one comes from another listener from the same region. David and Chaz, this is Dougie sitting on the side of the freeway in Santa Barbara County. Um, I have a submission for a kook and Curran. This is not a super original one because it's, you know, very obvious. It's right there in front of your face. You go to Ethan Ewing's Instagram, scroll down to before he won the Bells contest about a month ago. You've got a picture there with Tom Curran, most classic one. Tom is wearing board shorts that are not from Rip Curl. They are bought from Target. They straight up look like they have the white mesh on the inside. Like, So that's the Kook and Curran wearing non-surf board shorts, wearing shorts that aren't even made for surfing probably. Pretty sure I've seen his son Pat do it as well. Um and then I'd also like to settle the debate on which vehicle that the best surfers drive because it's most definitely a work truck. Um, if you pull up to Rincon parking lot on a good day, the first 10 spots are taken up by like, you know, if it's 3 p.m., if it's midday, then probably no one's there, but 3 p.m., the first 10 spots are taken up by local work trucks, tree trimmers, plumbers, <clears throat> land surveyors. Um, and those guys are going to be pulling out boards and going and tearing the place apart. So let me know what you guys think. Can't argue with that. Can't, no, it's a totally facts on that, on that second one that the blue collar workaday guy is the biggest ripper of all. Totally. Like you could, you should do a, I mean, there should be a full, screw the WSL. There should be a full blue collar surf tour where you're not allowed to quit your job. You work your 40 hours a week. And then you also surf in the, on the, 
Yeah, the blue collar tour, the BCT. Yeah, Lori Towner, Nathan yep. Hedge. I mean, come on in. Just yeah. don't quit. Just do not quit. It, I think it um, fosters that desire, you know, that is lacking in so many. I mean, imagine that, those guys are bored at work and or working hard. You got two hours to blow off some steam, to blow the fins out the back. Yep. Boom. There you Jay go. Da- Jay you're, Davies would win that tour. You're strong. You're strong from like real work, not pansy work like professional surfing. Yep. Well, yep. um, his Kook and Curran submission, Tom Curran, he, I feel like he misworded it. He said board shorts that aren't made for surfing. No, they're not board shorts. The shorts that he's talking about swim that Tom Curran is wearing are not board shorts. They are swim trunks. If even they're, but they're not even made for swimming. They're made for like playing in the pool. Basically they're the ones that have the elastic waist with a drawstring that you have to like cinch tight and the internet on them as well. You know, the mesh internet on the inside Tom Curran is sponsored by Rip Curl. He is not wearing Rip Curl board shorts. He's wearing a pair of Swimmers. trunks from Target. So I think he nailed it because I've actually never even seen this done before. So there's cer- certain things like Britt Merrick identified that Curran does and then other Currans do and Kooks do, but nobody in between. This is one that hasn't even trickled down to the other currents yet. Nope. It's only Tom Curran doing it. Well, because that's, I mean, it is called Kook or Curran uh, for a reason, right? Yes. There is only one Tom Curran. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, Ripper or Kook. But we, but we do apply it to that as well. It can be, but can. not always. Like Correct. Tom Curran, there are things that only Tom Curran does and only Kooks do, right? And Ooh. nobody, not even the highest level surfer does well what's what's interesting is there's also things that only tom curran does period full stop (laughs) (laughs) and then at some point there we realize that there is a bubbling up from the bottom or oh yeah kooks do that too but nobody else but like when curran was in mexico five years ago riding super dave and he had a visor on you're like oh visor that's kind of a kook and curran move but then he showed up with a visor that had socks sewn onto it to cover <laughs> his ears. So he looked like a bunny rabbit. This is not a joke. I need to find this clip somewhere. Yeah. He had socks sewn onto his visor so that it would cover his ears from being sunburned. And you're like, wow, well, not even a kook does that. That is strictly reserved for a for genius Tom mindset. Curran. Man. Like, I'm so thankful that we've had Tom Curran for so many years. Uh, like, growing up, you know, it was the big Tom Curran poster on my wall. The, the, one of his OP posters. He was like, of course, like everybody's North Star, right? As a, I mean, if you're of a certain age. And uh, just, I remember being sort of more baffled as a, as a young man by him in terms of why they do want to do that. Like, when he moved to France for some reason, that was real odd to me. Like I was like, what? I mean, now I think it's like, obviously it's the coolest thing ever, but looking back on Tom Kearns, like Kelly Slater, I think is, is just too present always. And so there's no mystery there. Right. Like I don't ever wonder like what's going on in Kelly's mind because you know exactly what's going on in his mind. He tells you every second on social media or to camera or interview or Kelly is an open book, which is fine, you know, but I don't ever wonder Tom Curran, a lifetime of wonderment around that dude. Hundred percent. I'm I'm completely 
fascinated, engaged in the story, like want to know more, want to find meaning in every little thing that I've seen him do. Whereas yep. Kelly, it's way too present. It's yep. way too in my face that now I actually care a lot less because you're shoving it in my face. Yeah. I'm like, oh, could you please close your mouth just for once, Kelly? Like uh, the fact that Kelly's the only one that gets interviewed after his heat losses is, is hilarious to me. The fact yeah. that he is so like, he should be curmudgeonly or whatever. Like he, the, whoever the world surf league camera team is, shouldn't feel comfortable going up to Kelly after a loss, but they feel fully let's go, let's go talk to Kelly right after he gets cut from tour. It's probably written into his contract that they have to talk to him. I mean, like he wants he, as much airtime as he can get. Exactly. That's the way it feels though. And so enough, Kelly, I, you, know, you can pump your brakes, but mm. Tom Curran, Ooh, keep doing what you're doing. Don't be well, too upfront, but be there just enough. Um, another feedback came through via email. He said, just wanted to chime in and agree with CJ Hobgood about wax. There's an exact analog in the music world, and that is guitar picks. Beginner has two, lost both, can't find them. An intermediate has every thickness, shape, and brand, has a little guitar pick holder stuck behind the guitar neck, has them in his wallet, in his credit card sleeve, has the microphone stand with all the picks lined up in case he loses one mid-solo. And what about the absolute Shredder Pro? He's always looking for a pick in the cushions of his couch, totally can't find one, has to borrow one from the opening band, or ends up using a quarter. I love it. Love it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, well, hey, let's cut to Sunbum's segment. Trust in us. People need advice from us. And so we are going to provide that for them. Speaking of a raging guitar solo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for that DJ, DJ Seaweed. Seaweed. Trust in Us is brought to you by Sunbum. Um, tr- listeners trust in us, but we, Chaz and I, put our trust in the bum. Sunbum.com. Summer's coming, David Lee Scales. Summer's coming with its theoretical sun here in Southern California. <laughs> and ooh-wee. It's going to be, I mean, after this, especially after this winter, where we have only seen rain clouds here in the Southland for six months we're all pale white we're gonna burn like that once the sun comes out so everybody should think about that truly think about you've been indoors hiding from the rain for six months you should all go to sunbum.com and enter the code what is the code surf splendor surf splendor say 15 percent and get because you're going to be going through that stuff especially the first couple months you're going to be slathering like you've never slathered before Totally. And um, you mentioned the sun theoretically might come out, but even if it doesn't come out, those UV rays cut through the clouds. And that's really what you got to watch out for. Yeah. So obviously look for broad spectrum um, protection, UVA and UVB, and uh, that'll keep you covered. And by the way, next month, Skin Cancer Awareness Month in May. I mean- You're a survivor. I am. I've, I'm a survivor. I am. I need to run in a 5K, I think, at this point. You do. A survivor 5K. You need to for solidarity and awareness campaign. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, I have, uh, speaking of uh, 
skin cancer awareness. I have something on my face. I just made an appointment two days ago to go to the dermatologist and check it out. I have a giant thing on my leg that I've been <laughs> just looking at for a while thinking, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. Perfect. Follow this is the lead. perfect, this is the advice we want to give to people because skin cancer is actually, uh, it's deadly, but dying of skin cancer is totally preventable. There's a yep. lot of, there's a lot of cancers that, um, are not necessarily detectable or preventable. This is preventable by detection. And so one of the things you want to look for is things that change. So getting to know your body and then understanding when something changes. And that's where I had this on my face. I'm like, gosh, I've got a little scab here from something. Oh, well, whatever. Three days went by and I'm like, that scab is still there. Like, why hasn't it sloughed off, you know, or whatever. And uh, it's like, well, turns out it's probably not a scab. And it looks like a mole, but it feels like a scab. And that's probably not a good thing. So we'll just go to the dermatologist, have them check it out. They can zap it off at this stage. No big no deal. Problem. I'm not actually worried about it. No but problem. identifying it is key. Because not identifying it and going a year or two, then having to have like a crater cut out of your face not is cool. not cool. Not cool. So sunbum.com, their advice, by the way, on their website is like, hey, stay out of the sun. <laughs> but if you're going to go in the sun, use sunbum. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I think that's great advice too. Yep. Um, we're obviously in the sun via surfing no matter what. So sunbum.com, promo code SurfSplendor, 15% off or buy from your local retailer. Now, advice, trust in us, Chaz. This is a listener line call. Uh, call for the grit. Uh, I need a little bit of a life advice here. Currently, I'm living in a small beach town on the east coast of America, recent college graduate, and I had the opportunity to go take a job in one of these big cities on the east coast and make a lot more money, but I have recently chosen to take a significant pay reduction and still work in my local little beach town. Um, the decision for this is honestly just to surf. So family, kind of mad, but let me know if I made the right choice or not. If my career took me to a big city where I'd have to step away from surfing, but I'd make a lot more money or if I should still work in this little small town that I'm in. Um, kind of, Kind of need some help on this one, boys. Thank you. Picking lower pay. We're here, David Lee. We're here for our friend. This one is relatively simple. It might seem complex, but I think this one, the fact that he was not tempted by the pay and mm. didn't try to justify by thinking like, okay, I'm going to go get paid for a while and then I'm going to save my money and then buy a condo in, you know, some the beach town and then also uh you know whatever whatever there, there's all kinds of scenarios that you can dream up in your mind when you're chasing pay which are fine right like hey if you want to get paid more money you want to get paid more money but our fine caller recent college graduate seems like he's got his priorities sorted the way he wants them and if you have your priorities sorted the way you want them if you enjoy that beach town life if you enjoy surfing all that, you know, as, as much as you can. Perfect. You like all you're going to do. I mean, again, I think we brought this up before David Lee scales in the show, but who was it? Was it Jerry Jones who said, uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, owner of some professional sports team. I think it was Jerry Jones said people out, you know, Cowboys are worth whatever. The, I mean, the 
Washington Commanders just sold for $7 billion. So if they sold for $7 billion, then I'm sure the Dallas Cowboys would sell for $13 billion, some insane amount of money. And so Jerry Jones is asked, why don't you sell you know, the Cowboys? And he says, because the only thing I would want to do with my money is buy the Cowboys, uh, which is precisely to our fine caller's point. If you were living the life you want, then all you're going to do with more money is try to get back to living the life you want. And you're just going to, you're going to go a real roundabout way to, to attempt to get back. So money and everything, if you're happy, be happy. Yes. But (laughs) when you're in college and maybe even just out of college, you don't have a lot of responsibility in life. And so you can live off little money with life age comes responsibilities. And by the way, other desire for other things as you mature, maybe it's a wife, maybe it's kids, maybe it's home ownership, all that sort of stuff. Uh, or maybe it's something different, but you want opportunity to do those things when they present themselves. And so money gives you the freedom to have that opportunity and you have to make those decisions in advance, unfortunately. So he obviously got the college degree that was planning for the future. Maybe you start earning money to plan for that next future. So that's the only caveat. But I would say, though, if you were happy in your town, in your small town, stuff, I feel, uh, comes from just sticking around. Like, if you're there, you're going to, you'll get, you know, it won't be, you won't be making Chicago money or wherever his big town <laughs> that she was going to go. But you'll be making enough to, you know, unless I suppose there's the, like, I see, but again, I don't know what is... I don't think there's a lot of Eastern seaboard or that's not true. I'm sure there's plenty of super high rent Eastern seaboard towns, but if you're, if you're living in one, in one where, you know, you can afford a little piece of property, just grab a little piece of property. Like I know the people who are down here in Cardiff by the sea, I have a, one of daughter's buddies uh, is third generation, I think uh, where they basically owned half of Lucadia. Right. And then they sold bunches off over time, but still everybody, you know, they have their property and nobody is rich, but they're all totally, they're set. They're not, you know, yeah. they're living. So if you are committed to this town in particular, I would say that that would be the real uh, bit where it would turn. Like if you, if this town is fine for now, then I'd say maybe think about taking that, taking higher pay. But if this is like, you're like, no, this is where I want to stay forever. I want to raise my family here. This is, this is paradise. And stay. Um, I think, one thing that you said at the very beginning is key, which is if you even, if you have your priorities right and you understand what you want, that's more than half the battle. So many other, so many people are chasing what other people want them to do. So yep. their parents paid for college and they want you to get the job. You feel obligated to honor that or society wants you to do that. Right. And so, so many people, and then they realize many years down the road, sometimes with, commitments of a 30-year mortgage or a marriage or whatever. And they're like, what am I even doing here? How did I get here? Letting the days go by. (laughs) So, I mean, um, but so what I think is key though is um, if you actually have, if in addition to that, you have some sort of a talent and a direction, then you can make money with that talent and direction regardless of what your college degree was. It's totally okay to not want to earn money and just to live in an apartment in the beach town and do your thing. That's fine by me. 
it's also totally okay to want to chase money. Sure. The the ideal thing is to um, chase it on your own terms. And the worst thing that I've seen with my generation, and it's because of the socioeconomics of where we live in modern times, is giving up all of your own desires to go chase what ends up being a very mediocre paycheck and mediocre lifestyle. And when you're just out of college and maybe the number is 90,000 bucks and you're like, man, that's good pay. I'm only making 70,000 in the small town, you know, but I can make 90 and that's a significant percentage more. I'm going to go do that. But that means you're now living in a concrete jungle. You hate what you're doing. You're sitting in traffic, blah, 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 blah. It turns out 90 isn't that great. And then you, but, oh, I can get to the management position and make 120. Turns out 120 isn't that great. Turns out in that world, you're still, even if you buy a home, it's not the nicest home in the neighborhood. It's in a pre-planned suburb. You have a cinder block wall. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff, you'll quickly realize it's double what you were making before. Double is not enough. It And then what you also end up finding is, what I've found when I look around now at this point in my life is like the people who actually are rich, they did not follow any of those rules. Yeah. They're the ones who went and did it on their own. And a lot of them never even got the college degree in the first place. They had some ingenuity, they had some hard work ethic, and they had talent, you know, and point at the highest level to Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Eric Elon Logan. Musk, <laughs> Eric Logan, <laughs> Jesse Miley Dyer. <laughs> um, all of that, you know, it's like, so do you want to just uh, slowly inch your way up the Bailey ladder from 90,000 <laughs> to 120,000? Or do you want to go, you know, live in the apartment, surf, doing the surfing lifestyle for 10 years, working on your idea that you end up making the 300,000 instead, you know what I mean? Just jump to that because you believe in what you know, what you want, which most people don't, and you're willing to do it. Like that would be the ideal scenario. Exactly. Like- I feel that, but again, him choosing what he chose, he chose exactly the right thing. Like he knew if he would have said I was too, I was too afraid to go, or I didn't think I would be good enough or something then I'd say, well, drink a cup of concrete, my friend and harden up and go do what you want, you know, go grab it. But, uh, he's doing what he wants. Totally. And from, from every like real mover and shaker whose story you hear told either in a documentary or a podcast or whatever it is, they tell that exact story. They tell about when everybody around them was saying like, Hey, maybe you should consider taking the safer path. And they go, no, I I know exactly what I want out of life and I'm going to do exactly what I want out of life. That, you know, the people whose story is not being told are the ones who, Yes, say yes to what their parents wanted and their friends wanted and all that kind of stuff. Amen. Those, yeah. So, all right. We solved it for you. Trust in us. Done and dusted. Yeah. Let's give a shout out again. Sunbum.com. Promo code SurfSplendor, 15% off. When I talked to Sunbum, by the way, they said, we don't care about online Sunbum.com sales. Absolutely. If your listeners want to save 15%, they should definitely do that, especially if you're stocking up on a bunch of things, but just go buy it from your local retailer. Like go buy it from your local surf shop, local surf shops, carry it, support the local surf shop. Next time you're in there picking up wax on your way to the beach, just grab some sun bomb along with it instead of a competing brand. That's, you know, that's what we want. Simple. Sunbum.com. 
Uh, okay, let's go to commercial break, and then I'm going to come back with two more follow-ups from last week, and then I've got some barreling off for you as well. Great. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back from commercial. Oh, yeah. Um, Did you hear the exciting moment that Lauren just shouted to me? I missed it. Exciting moment in the Scales household. Austin just went pee-pee in the potty. Ooh, boom. Mic drop right there. How old is he? Year and a half. That is solid work, year and a half for boys. I know stinking two and a half year olds who are still wearing diapers. Yeah, I mean, he's still wearing the diaper, but we haven't even tried that hard. We got his little training chair and we've pointed to it a couple of times and explained it to him. The kid has really high comprehension, like... He's not super verbal, but he seems to understand a lot of what we say to him. Even if we're speaking in like adult speed to one another, he'll kind of pick up what we're talking about. Um, And so we've explained to him what it is and when to do it and all that sort of stuff. And apparently he just did it. Boom. Austin, congrats. I know. Big moment. I just wanted to mark it here so that uh, in the future, forever, like how old was he? We have it on podcast record. Um, okay, I got a follow up from last week that I want to play for you. Here it is. It is for the grit. Uh, this is Mike from Oregon. Just listened to the deal about the the guy who serves his mom and trying to figure out what to do with her. Uh, I think you guys missed the real what you call. Sorry, a little bit of drinking involved. Uh, life lesson there. The whole lesson in that whole thing is as a parent, know that your kids are going to think you're lame way before you think you're lame. So you got to be like planning for those kids to want to get rid of you way before you realize they want to and kind of bow out gracefully. Anyways, keep up the work. Trustin, was it, was it Tim from Oregon? I forget Justin, maybe. 
Mm, well, trust in him in any case. That is great, <laughs> great advice. Um, yeah, I agree. It's inevitable. There's no way not looking lame in front of your parents or in front of your kids. I mean, and that's, and just like, I feel it's just one you take on the chin, right? Yeah, like you, you reckon to. you, and you don't have to recognize it yourself. You can still think, I, I don't get it. I think I'm pretty cool, but so I don't need to understand that I'm not. I just know that I'm not. Like, I think that we, we should probably stake a, a year in this for our listeners. Uh, what year do you think? Or I, I suppose it depends on how old your child is compared to you. Yeah. The other thing, though, that um, we haven't said is that the parents think the kids are dumb you know, or, yeah. or lame. Like, I mean, that's kind of more classic, actually, is being like, the kids music these days you know it's not even like music anymore or whatever it was way better when i was young like that is the truth too so it's just a misconnection completely yep. miscommunication completely just part ways kids um, and parents but on a sentimental note i'll share a story and then i've got a one more listener line call that is sentimental as well about that exact thing but one of my best friends from high school and through to this day his father just passed away like two weeks ago and it was very sudden. And, uh, my friend thought that his dad was super lame his entire life, like made fun of his dad and how lame he was. And he was a classic dad, like wearing the sketch, you know, sketchers, bulky white shoes, sock, tube socks, pulled up pot belly shirt tucked in as dad, like and nerdy as you could, you could, um, it's a it's a real sweet um, uh, obituary. I'm yeah. his father. <laughs> uh, but I mean, his dad just looks like a dad, and you know. But through going through all of his dad's things, he's finding photos of his dad. Um, not photos of even before my buddy existed, but photos that were taken in my buddy's life. But my buddy always thought they looked lame when he experienced it. But now looking at it in retrospect, that was cool. Like, dad was freaking cool. He was a drummer and he was like, like an incredible drummer. And so he has these photos of himself drumming where he's like shredding. It's like, how did I not see that my dad was so cool in that moment? I remember experiencing that moment live and thinking, God, my dad's so lame right now. <laughs> and now I'm seeing it under different eyes going, that guy, cool. I mean, he's cool. And I'm kind of like him in a lot of ways is the yeah. other thing. Well, great. I mean, it's so, good that he could have that, have that epiphany. Yeah. After his dad passed away a little bit late, but uh, probably some regret there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you see things under different lenses throughout your life, but here's one more that kind of falls in line with that. Hey, David Lee and Chaz on to the, uh, barrel or gnaw last week about surfing with your aging mom. And I gotta say, I miss surfing with my dad. My dad was a charger. He uh, was one of the California, you know, Hawaii transplants, lived in the North Shore in the 70s, did really well out there. In fact, he totally alphaed me during the last eddy when we were talking about it. And he said, I'm the only one in the family who's even surfed Waimea. But anyway, he's been an electrician his entire life, and his body, you know, suffers the wear and tear of manual labor, and he doesn't really surf anymore. And I didn't realize that kind of, the last few years of his surfing were the last few years of his surfing, and I miss it. And if I could, I'd go back to my 16-year-old self and wake him up every time he slept in. When his dad was trying to get him to go surfing at 5 in the morning in the middle of winter, um, 
and, you know, took the bus down or surf with friends later. But anyway, I say surf with your family, surf with your family, surf with your family. I'm uh, walking my son right now, 10 months old, who's going through a little bit of a health issue, so maybe that's giving me some perspective or whatnot, but 100% do not stop surfing with your mom. Pick the days, maybe surf twice in a day, once with her, once with your friends, but I miss it. I miss surfing with my dad. Bye. A beautiful call. Beautiful. Uh, to answer your question of like, what age do they start feeling that way? I feel like there's a cycle. Like early teenage years, they start feeling like you're lame, but then they get to a certain point like this where they cycle back and they go, oh, wait a second. Yeah. Now I have kids of my own and I see it differently. You know? So it's like a 13 to 30 year old yeah. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. For those 17 years, your parents are the lamest people on the planet. Yep. Well, take one for the team. Um, well, hey, barrel or not, everybody's favorite segment now has a theme song. Ready for it? Not from sure. DJ Seaweed, from Jay Martinez, the falsetto cotter from last episode. Oh, yes. It's barrel. It's barrel. It's barrel. It's 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 barrel. It's a hard barrel. It's barrel. Hard barrel. Barrel. It's a hard barrel. It's barrel. Or not. It's barrel. Barrel. It's barrel. Barrel. It's barrel. 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 Or not. Did you remix this? Straight barrel. Uh, Jay Martinez remixed it for me. Oh, beautiful. Thanks, Jay. I just got an email midweek from him going, you asked for it. You got it. Boom. Thank got you, some Jay Martinez. He's got some talent on the music producer. So much uh, talent. We could yes. do it. I feel that we could do a whole, uh, to be honest, a lot of ideas that get kicked around the show that don't come to fruition. But I feel we could do, read today that Diplo, noted surfer, Kelly Slater friend Diplo, uh, was saying that Coachella were more or less has is past his prime right he was he was thinking that they're str- struggling to get acts you know and they're just it's kind of signing out of top 40 headliners without you know uh, it's not the curated experience that it was, once was so i feel there's going to be a um what a, a void a black hole a coachella sized hole in people's hearts i think we could fill it with gritella where all of the wonderfully talented people we have on the show just perform just two days of music from listeners. That'd be we got incredible. DJ Seaweed. We got Jay Martinez so far. We have I've, like, for sure, we have tons more. For sure. I've remixed a few myself. I can put together something. Chris Cote a listener. We get Chris Cote to play. Boom. Yep. He could be the headliner, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we could get Tom Curran to show up with his guitar. Guarantee it. Oh man, if we could get that, then it would be an actual hit. He'd show up without a guitar pick. Yep. No wax. So we'd have to have that handy for him, but I'm intermediate at everything. So I'll just bring him. I'll be fully stocked. Yep. Um, so barrel or not, by the way, not only does it have a theme song, but it has a sponsor. It is presented by Buell buellsurf.com i forgot to mention it last week but we have a promo code not only does it save you money it saves you a quarter 25 percent i've never even heard of these kinds of savings in a uh in a code to be honest i've heard of 10 heard of 15 never heard of 25 and the wetsuits are already really 
fairly priced and I would say even low priced. And so take 25% off a low price, smoking deal. I mean, it's insane. If you need a wetsuit, if you're in Australia, it's coming to be winter. If you're in Northern Hemisphere, hey man, that one mil, you need your one mil. <laughs> There's going to be two weeks where you're going to be the coolest surfer in the water. So the code is Buell Grit. 25. So Buell is spelled B-U-E-L-L. Grit 25 is the number. And by the way, it's still cold here. You don't need one mil. I surfed this morning. I wore my three mil Buell and uh, the water temp was 60 degrees. So it's warmed up. It's warmed up a tiny bit, but it's cold. It's springtime. Yeah. It's the end of April and it's 60 degrees. But let me tell you that single mil, three mil, it's not three, two, it's not four, three. It's all three mil. The thing is lightweight. I was like, this thing is normal. This thing is somehow lighter than my three twos. And it's silky. Like it felt um, buttery, velvety. You know what I mean? That The Buell neoprene or whatever they use is properly some of the best I felt. It totally is. It's epic. And um, I just couldn't believe it just felt like a two mil or something like that. Like it felt thin and light and maneuverable, but it was 60 degrees. I wasn't wearing booties or anything else. I was fully warm in a three mil at 60 degrees. Love it. So yeah, Buell, Buell Grit 25 is your promo code. Um, so we've got three barrel or Nas as usual today. And one came through via email that is an excellent one, but we did it four years ago. And I hate, I hate to leave people hanging like that. I want to acknowledge them like, hey, this is a great one. But I hate to tell you, we've already done it. But that one was giving change to homeless people. Oh, yeah. Where so, did we stand years ago? Do you remember? Well, I don't remember. And I'm wondering if maybe we should recycle some because our stances may have changed. But what I was going to do is just give an adjacent one to this, uh, which is donating at the grocery store uh, when you go to checkout. There, it used to be there was a little thing for change there. Now that thing is on the credit card reader on the screen pops up. You slide your card. First thing that pops up, would you like to donate to one, blah, blah, blah. two, four or five dollars? Exactly. So what are your thoughts on donating at the grocery store? I am. I used to be a real consistent one dollar, like depending on the cause. Right. Uh, but these days I'm less just because I think it's pretty rude. I should probably go back to just doing it. Right. Like I like the transparency maybe is not there. I don't, I'd have no reason not to trust Vons, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know necessarily that Vons, you know, I, and I don't need to see the accounting. I don't like the, 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 uh, what the stance of, you know, if I'm giving my money play, if I'm giving my $1 somewhere, I really want to, you know, check everything and make sure there's not being used for bureaucratic fees and blah, 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 blah. Like you're giving $1, man. Like who cares if like two cents of it goes to the cause, you know, but yeah, I, I used to regularly, uh, I've fallen out of practice, but I'm going to get back on if I like the cause. Yeah. I'm not, I'm so anti this for the exact reason of, I feel like so much of it goes to the bureaucracy of it. Like I want to be charitable, but I want to um, vet those things on my own and every year commit to them. So like, look, I have a charitable budget 
in my, you know, I know how much I make and I know how much I can afford to give. And every year I will give that amount, but it's not going to be to the kiosk thing at Ralph's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, hey, sorry, whoever it is that needs this money. But again, I think that the bigger problem I have is I am cynical and I do think that the CEO of that company is making $500,000 a year. I mean, but here, here is the thing though, is, I mean, I, I hope the CEO of Vons or Ralph's is making more than 500 grand a no, year. No, of the, of the charity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was really thinking you were lowballing the, the <laughs> brave chief of executives of grocery stores. But my thing on this though, a little bit is the charities I think are often good. It's like stuff that's like legit good, right? It's like, What's the one that's well, well if they've been ve- if they've been vetted by Vons, then yes, they probably are. And I and I don't think like Vons has no real interest in your dollar. They're they're making money off groceries, right? They have a healthy business going on. Uh, it is odd though. Why are they doing that? Are they taking a cut? Because it's every, it be. used to, it used to be seasonally. It used to be, and then the cashier would ask you, right? I remember always yeah. that it would be like for a month or something during a certain awareness month and the cashier would say, would you like to give a buck to, and then you used to sign the thing, right? Yeah. You'd stick a thing on the wall. Uh, that's gone away and now it's year round. So they, yep. I wonder if they've tested this. We're going to have to get to the bottom of this. Well, I, some, one of our listeners knows. Yeah. One of our listeners knows this is a full on racket because it really did just quietly go to Year round, cashier doesn't say anything. It's just on the screen every time you check out. See, I've just identified what I dislike about it so much is the fact that I even have to think about it in this way. The Let's fact see, that I have to yeah. figure out if they're ripping me off, if, is Vaughn's getting a take? Uh, all of that is nonsense. I don't want to have those thoughts because I've got too many other important things to think about. This is totally non necessary. Except though, if they are doing a good job, if, if it's all on the up and up, I really want to know now. If this is on the up and up, then what it does, though, is save you the time and energy to find a charity, to go online, to, you know, put money, like put your bank details in. It's all just, it's happening, you know, it's point of sale right there. Like you can take care of all your charity work just by thanks to the Vons kiosk. The moment they simplify it that much for you to just not think about it is when somebody steps in and rips it off like that their whole in their whole the way that human nature works is that as soon as you're not paying attention is when they make their move how do those charities in the pin pad get there <laughs> Like, what is the process? There's a lobbying process and they're going to fancy dinners to try to wine and dine the Vaughn's exec. (laughs) That's really true. Ooh, I am so surprised. I am, in fact, I am beyond surprised that uh, the World Surf League doesn't have a little donate here box. Like, if the World Surf League was a grocery store, it would have multiple charities that all went to Eric Logan's Manhattan Beach lifestyle. Totally. Um. There needs to be a Netflix expose on this exact topic. I mean, because it, like it has become ubiquitous. And I mean, is it a nationwide thing? I do believe it is. I do believe when I was driving across this fine land yeah. that I encountered in every grocery store I went to, the uh, donate one, three. I feel it's odd amounts too. It's I don't, I don't think it's one, two, three, four. I think it's like one, two, five, ten or something. It's yeah. like uh, it takes a weird jump. 
The other thing I noticed since you told me about it was the tip option for baristas and bartenders now. It used to be 15, 18, and 20. Now it's like 20, 25, and 30. Yeah. And they also flipped the order so that the one on the far left is the highest and the one on the far right is the lowest. So it used to just be you would look, automatically your eyes start reading things on the left, of course. Yeah. And so you would just aim for that and it would be a 15. That one's now 30. Yep. No, thirty. I mean, the the ones that go like, I'm all down for you know. I'm a twenty percent tipper. I've that's you know for most for meals out and things like that. Right? Is twenty percent. So I'm fine with the twenty, twenty two, twenty five. Is weird though. Yeah. Like twenty five, even it's greedy. Phenomenal service. Twenty five percent. I know. That's what you save at Buell. Exactly. That is a ton of money. I I was indignant. The last two that I encountered, they were both this week. It has a custom option. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to custom and give you 10% now. I normally would have given you 18, maybe 20. And now because you're trying to force me into 20 or more, you're getting 10. It's, I mean, the whole tipping thing, and we've talked about this already, but it's gone so, like I used to guilt tip basically everywhere. I'm over it. I am done. I'm not tipping for takeout food anymore. Like I would go in and tip basically 20% for takeout. And then I stopped myself and I said, what am I doing? Like, this is a service tip. And I appreciate the food. I appreciate the cooks and everything like that. When I go eat in a restaurant, I don't go back to the kitchen and tip them. You know, like that's not the way it works. You're tipping the waiter. And so if there's no waiter, don't even ask me to tip. This is not a, I'm not. And so I've put my foot down on that kind of stuff. Good. I I think I started doing that during COVID. I was picking up food more frequently. Sure. And and I was like, well, these people are, you know, making less money now, essentially. So I'm going to go ahead and tip during takeout, but I've carried it over and I've been doing it ever since. And so you're right. We need to reset. It's a, and the whole thing, it's gotten so absurd everywhere, like everything, everything. And no Starbucks, I am now going to, I mean, I'll still tip a buck for coffee, whatever, but otherwise like the, Company, it's time for you to pay your employees more. I'm yeah. tired of paying your employees. Well, I don't remember where we landed on giving change to homeless people, but I do remember one buddy chiming in after that episode, and he goes, dude, you're thinking about it all wrong. He goes, it's the one place where you can you can um, like fix an immediate need. Yeah. Like for all of this other stuff, it's all theoretical, right? And I think maybe one of my arguments I made on air was to the effect of like, I can't solve everybody's problems. Right. And I, we see homeless people a lot around here, like literally daily. And so either I go broke trying to solve everybody's problem or, um, I just have to acknowledge, like, I can't, I just have to kind of give it up. I do feel bad and I feel sympathy, but I can't solve everybody's problem. And he goes, no, that's where you're wrong is you could solve that problem right now. Like that person is hungry and they need a meal. And so I've taken that to heart and I don't give it to everybody, but there are times where you see somebody who is like destitute. And and I think it's a great practice, even not being judgy and not thinking, "Mm, you know, are they like the, this is probably exactly what we talked about last time is, are they going to go buy drugs or what are they going to do with this money? (laughs) Are they going to go buy alcohol? Like who cares what they buy? Like if you are, if yeah. you have, you know, a buck, two bucks, and you're walking by somebody, don't be shy. Yeah. Give that person two bucks. Your friend, exactly right. Meeting yeah. a an immediate need for somebody. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, if you see somebody at the same exact corner every single day, 
And you're like, that's like a job for them. Like, I understand if like you've hit the low point in your life and you're there for a day or two, you know, but if they're there every single day, that's, that's where job. I start questioning. Yeah. That's where I'm like, wait, couldn't you be doing something else? But hmm. you're going to work it. every day. So why don't you go to other work? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, barrel or non number two that I said was immediately related to your vegetable conversation from earlier. I got home last week and on the kitchen counter right by the sink, there's vegetable wash spray. It's in a spray bottle. And I was like, wait a second. When I buy vegetables, let's say tomatoes, right? Not a, not a pineapple. I'm not washing in water, but like tomatoes, fruit, things like that. uh, Berries, you know, I'm washing those in water and I let them dry and then I eat them. Well, no, I, my wife explained to me, what about that waxy film on the tomato? You got to get rid of that waxy film. That tomato has been exposed. It was in the back. First of all, it was in a, in a field off the five freeway getting hit by all that motor dust. Then it was in the back of a truck uncovered. Then it's been in the grocery store with other people's grubby hands. All you're going to do is rinse water over it. Like you can still feel the film on it. Like spray it down with this thing hose it off. And I thought, wow, this makes a lot of practical sense. However, I've been eating watered, you know, only washed by water, fruits and vegetables for the last 40 years. And I'm still here. I'm still kicking. They've served me well. So washing your fruit and vegetables with vegetable fruit wash. Okay. So number one, I'm going to say what I do, what I do for leave me it out, mine. Leave it outside in the rain. Uh, I don't even wash it at all. I buy the dirtiest organic produce that I can find. And there we go. God made dirt. Dirt don't hurt. Like It's not I, the dirt you're worried about. It's yeah, the, no, you're worried filth. about the, the toxins. The, yes. But if you're getting, I think, theoretically, and there's a great grocery store down here in San Diego called Jimbo's, which Jimbo is such a freak. I think there's a real guy named Jimbo who is such a freak that he, if any of his produce is like touches anything even related to non-organic practices, whatever, then, you know, it's gone out of the store. So I, I, I trust Jimbo to do what's right for me. So I think of Jimbo, you're getting the good stuff. I'm not even going to wash this. Don't even, who cares? Just eating it. Uh, but for non-organic, then I'm going to go. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say vegetable wash is just, it's, it's too high a hill. It is a hurdle. I can't, I can't hop like finding another thing to get out, to do another thing, an extra thing. I just don't have the time for, I'll take slow death via toxicity. That's how I feel about it as well. And I, the other part of that argument is developing your tolerance for those sort of a things, right? Those sort of things. Right. So I don't want to sanitize my world entirely. And I don't know where that line is, but vegetable wash is on the wrong side of that line. I mean, it's just, it's one step too far. And, and how long, how long until we find out that vegetable wash gives you cancer? Uh, precisely. That vest, the glycerin or whatever in that vegetable yeah. wash is actually the real problem. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. I like what you're saying though, is just spend a little bit more money and a little bit more effort and put your trust in somebody who's great at their job. Generally. Precisely. I mean, I think I would imagine that there is like whole, and I'm not saying whole foods since whole foods got purchased by Amazon, you can't trust in them anymore. But uh, there is like a lowercase whole food grocer in every neighborhood and go there, go there for you. You don't have to buy your 
everything there, but go buy at least your fruits and vegetables from a like quality, quality organic produce. Totally. Great advice. Final barrel or not, leaving a voicemail. Oh, so no barrel. It's but except I like it when people do it to me. Uh, I don't like to leave them. I don't leave them. Oh, see, I hate when people do it to me. I don't want to listen to them. Well, I tell you, I don't listen to them ever. I look at the voice transcript and half times it's just gobbledygook, but you can get a good enough, uh, like I can suss out good enough what the message was. I'll never listen. Yeah. But I like that voice transcript and I like, I'll tell you, uh, I like that. I'm such a textual person, I suppose, that like when people, we've talked about this, I think we even did it as a barrel or not voice memos yeah, uh, or voice, uh, whatever, voice texts. Yeah, I think it might be memo. You got it. Like, oh, you're talking about where you record your voice and it transcribes it into a text for you or the one where you push record and you say it and it leaves it in the text. Message, I'm talking right? about the one where you push and you say and it leaves in the text because you didn't. You, there's no transcript of that. You have to listen to that, right? right that right, right. that has really come to annoy me. Like, Yeah, of course. Because they're want, forcing you to listen to that uh, message. And like, couldn't you have just typed it? Yeah. And or if you don't like to type, couldn't you have just done the voice to text thing? Uh, or, you know, I, I don't, I don't get the point of it, but at least with voicemails, they, uh, at least the Apple phone does have, does do the transcript. And I like that. I well, like knowing why you called. Leaving a voicemail is a thing of yesteryear that no longer serves any purpose in our lives. And I called a friend the other day. I was in the car and it goes to voicemail and his outgoing message said, Hey, thanks for calling. Sorry I missed you. Go ahead and send a text to this exact number and I'll get back to you via text as soon as I can. And I was like, genius. You solved my problem for me. I didn't want to leave you the voicemail. You don't want to listen to my voicemail. And you're right. If I send a text, the exact same device, you will get that on and you will be able to deal with it when you're ready to deal with it. Here's the problem though. There's sometimes, uh, I'm going to say not so rare. That you just got to talk something out with somebody and it's not going to work in text. And so the call is because I wanted to talk to for some specific talky reason. If I was going to text you, I would have texted you, right? I think we're all, you know, I mean, you and I, I'm no spring chicken, uh, but I am well aware of text and how to text and when to text. Sometimes you just need to talk something out. That's when you call. And that's why I suppose I like the voicemail transcript. Is because then I got to, then I will see, okay, is this a talky thing or is this a texty thing? Like, yeah. can I text you back? Got your message. Here's the information we're looking for. Or am I going to return this call? Yeah. I'm all for the call. I'm not opposed to the call and talking it out, but if I don't guy, need to say, I don't need to say that. I'll even text people at times like, Hey, give me a call when you're free. Sure. Cause I don't, if I call them, I don't know if they're available or not, but I do want to talk it out. I don't want to leave my message. I'll wait till they call me back. That's true. I mean, that's a, that is the very polite thing to do. But what were you calling this friend about in the first place? Was it a talky thing or a texty yes, thing? Something that required being talking about. Yeah. So did you text him, "Hey, call me when you get a minute." Yep. And did you feel bad that you wasted time going calling him first? Did you think oh. I didn't feel I didn't feel bad about it, but it was a logical sequence of events in my mind. Yeah. Oh. I called. He didn't answer. He told me just to text him, so I texted him, and then twenty minutes later, he called me back. We chatted. Yeah, so but you really could have cut. That would have could have been valuable time that you would yeah. have spent with your son. 
like time that <laughs> I was will in never the car. get back. <laughs> I do it all in the car. That's the other thing. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, for those who do like leaving voicemails, listener line is 760-237-0150. We do love those voicemails, obviously. So much, so much. And we that's the thing too. Them. Imagine if we, uh, part of this listener line that's so beautiful that I've realized over the time, because we've had the email email in forever, right? Yeah. Those are great too. And some of those, like we've had works of art in email, but uh, like, oh, what's... Oh, I mean, there's been so many. I'm thinking of one specifically. It was just such a well-executed email or story in text. Anyway, we've also had spoken, like, spoken word art on the listener line. Both are different kinds of art. Both are art. And both still come in. Yeah. We still have both types coming. So thank you, listeners. Uh, SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you can find the listener line. You can leave a comment at the bottom of the show's page. Obviously, BeachGrit.com is where you can get all the most important surf news. We're watching live, David Lee. It's on? Apparently. It says watch live. Okay, which means it will go live at 4.15. Why do they do it at 4.15? Uh, it's probably a 4 o'clock start time. Yeah, cover- actually, coverage starts at 4. So this is perfect. I will be to... ready in eight minutes. I Man, we timed this a, perfectly. What a perfect day. Felipe and Gabe up first, it looks like. Ooh, okay. I'm getting this live. Um, and then we'll actually be able to talk about the event next week because we're watching it for once in our lives. Can't wait. I'm tuning in right now. Right on. Um, by the way, do you want to promote your guys' shorts that you're selling on beachgrit.com? Yes, I sure do. Listener, have I a treat for you? Beachgrit has made... Another phenomenal trunk, one that possibly Tom Car- Tom Carroll or Tom Curran could be found in. Uh, they are, I think, is it 18 inch in the leg, maybe 16 inch, a nice short trunk uh, with the phenomenal brand, the Critical Slide Society out of uh, Bondi. It's a nice black trunk with the uh, Beach Grit little logo. I don't need life, I'm high, uh, is what it reads over... That's not Spicoli. What's the dude's name? It's Eric. Uh, I don't know. Guy from Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont Stoltz. High. That's, yeah, Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz's face says, I don't need life. I'm high. And they're a uh, bargain, I feel, as far as trunks go. For I think they're like 60 US bucks coming out of Australia for 60 bucks. So get yourself. Uh, I think they're going to sell out pretty quick. So if you would like a pair of beach grit trunks, hop on early. I have a, addition. I have addition one. Do you? Did you order? I, I do. Yeah. Did they I come? Ordered, well, no. The ones that you guys made oh, years ago. Exactly. Exactly. This edition two, I think, will be even better because they are made by actual clothing makers. Sweet. They're phenomenal. But yeah, I think it's tcss.com is where you will find them. Got it. They're not on. You guys don't link to it from beachgrid.com. We have uh, BeachGrid too, but I think it might be harder to find. Oh, I think actually if you go on the computer to BeachGrid, it is our background wallpaper. I do believe. That's right. But, that's yeah. right. That's right. Critical yeah, Slide the... Society. Go get them. Perfect. Support, support local, or I guess not local, but support core industry. Independently owned anyways. Yep. Um, yeah. And thanks, of course, to Buell Surf, Buell Wetsuits, BuellSurf.com, promo code BuellGrit25 for 25% off. And then, of course, Sunbum. Who doesn't love Sunbum? Nobody doesn't love Sunbum. 
Everybody loves it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We will be back next week and we'll have Hannah sign us off today. But until next week. Bon voyage.